We're taking you from sideline to sideline and everything in between. It's your one-stop shop for all things football. Join me, Aaron Mukes, every Wednesday and Friday for fresh takes, breaking news, fantasy gold, and more. College and NFL, we got you covered. This is Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... Here comes the rush, and here's the hit. Second down attempt. Oh, what a hit. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't fight. The 40, the guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Here, tested. Somebody stop that man. Ladies and gentlemen, now your host, Mr. Aaron Mukes, and his co-host, Akeem. This is your one-stop shop for all college and NFL football. Here is Sideline to Sideline. All right, welcome into another episode of Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. I am your host, Aaron Mukes, alongside my weekly regular, David Gonzalez. What's up, brother? Man, good to be back. You know, another one of these weeks where I'm just like, whoa, I know that uh, I have some teams just going exploding in fantasy football, and some teams just took a, a squash like my ones with Amari Cooper, man. So uh, I'm ready to sound off with you. Man, let, let's talk about that because um, in one of, our, one of our main leagues, you did a couple of deals this week with a couple of the top teams as your team was, uh, was struggling a little bit. So you did a couple of deals. And one of them, I think, worked out in your favor, while the other one may not have worked out in your favor. Talk about the deals you made and, and what was your thought process behind them? Yeah, actually, you know what, Aaron? This is a, a big shakeup week for me. I actually did a total of seven deals last week and all within, like, the same two to three days. So a couple players, that, and especially that one we're talking about, is I moved on from the number one wide receiver in fantasy football, and that is Devontae Adams. Um, you know, we're talking about fantasy points per week. You know, it doesn't get any better than him. But I knew I needed to make a play. My team was struggling in that league. Um, and to my listeners, I just want to say I'm in about 16 leagues, and that's probably my worst league right now. I'll, I'm not even going to lie. So I had to move on from Devontae Adams, and I had to move on from George Kittle. Grant you guys, I did lose two of my big players early on in the season in Saquon Barkley and Austin Eckler. So that's part of the reason why I was struggling. So without further ado, I, I made the trade Devontae Adams for Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. I was really happy about that deal just because I felt like I was getting the Cowboys one-two punch. I thought those, those were the two guaranteed players that were going to see targets, get touches, but, man, was I surprised to see that Amari Cooper was – I thought he retired because he wasn't seeing no love. <laughs> he wasn't – and that's the quarterback situation. And I'm going to have to just, you know, mark that next to the, you know, um, the quarterback wasn't able to get him the ball. Dalton should be back next week. And hopefully the target distribution is back to normal. Because until then, Amari was seeing, you know, at least seven catches for pretty much every game this year and targets upwards of over 10 targets, you know? So I, I have 
you know, I still have faith in Amari. I'm a big fan of him. We've talked about Amari. He was a, a Raider early on his career, you know, Alabama boy. Um, and I know he's got the talent to make plays at all times, but just hit, he had no rapport with that backup quarterback. And uh, I'm thinking Dalton will pepper him next week for that uh, mistake this week. And yeah, Ezekiel I think, Elliott. Um, I, I think you're right there with, with the Cooper. I think it was like kind of a twofold situation. One, I think obviously Ben DiNucci is a rookie quarterback. And, you know, maybe he had a little bit more reps with uh, Michael Gallup. Amari Cooper's practice time has been limited as a veteran because uh, he's kind of been banged up and they want to preserve him for Sundays. So he's not getting as much practice time. So I was wondering if maybe that had a little bit to do with um, Ben DiNucci just being more comfortable with Michael Gallup, who actually had 12 targets in this game. And he's been the kind of the, the disappearing show throughout the season. So um, one, I wouldn't worry about Amari Cooper. I think it was just an unfortunate week where he started the game. Darius Slay was shadowing him. Um, even when Darius Slay actually left the game, that was Amari Cooper's first target. So I think that had a little bit to do with it. And then, I, again, I think the Ezekiel Elliott thing um, should improve over the course of the season. Obviously, Dallas's offense is going to struggle. But even in the games when Dak Prescott has not played, uh, there's been two consistent factors, and that's Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. So I do think you'll be okay there. Um, it's just unfortunate that Devontae Adams, you know, had another monster week. Um, and, you know, you pulled the trigger right, right before that, um, right before this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I knew that Devontae was going to have a big week. You know, the Minnesota Vikings were out there without, you know, some of their top corners. They are playing guys that probably shouldn't be on the field. And But, you know, to their credit, you know, they ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball with Dalvin Cook, and they didn't really need Kirk Cousins to do anything because they controlled the clock and they kept it away from the Packers. So, um, you know, it, it, was, it was a very good strategy uh, on the Vikings' part. And Dalvin Cook, who had the monster game, hopefully you had him in DFS. Hopefully you had him in your any lineup you could. And if you played against him, RIP to your team that week because, uh, what, four touchdowns, 200 yards. And I'm just looking at, you know, uh, Minnesota D is allowing the number two most fantasy points to wide receivers. So if you got fantasy wide receivers going against Minnesota D and DFS, always start them. Start whoever you got going against Minnesota D. Um, and it looks like Devontae Adams, you know, man, he, he's pretty much looking unstoppable. Um, Adam Adam Thielen and Je uh, Justin Jefferson, they accounted for 65% of Minnesota's passing yards and 90% of the passing TDs uh, going into that game. And I expected bigger games out of them. But, you know, that Jair Alexander was switching off between the two and he held Adam Thielen, who had been having a really good season. Um, to a very minimal game. And with, you know, with a player like, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, who needs to throw the ball that much? Um, Jair Alexander, a fun fact about him is he's only allowed 122 receiving yards this whole season against him. So uh, no one's throwing against him. And if you're <laughs> if you're got a wide receiver going up against him, you know, maybe time to sit him in DFS and maybe in season log because 122 yards the whole season, that's crazy. Yeah, um, Zaire Alexander has been definitely one of the better corners in, in football this year. So um, a little bit on the week eight recap, you brought up Dalvin Cook, and it's been an interesting topic this week because I've spoken out about Dalvin Cook um, to a number of people, been in arguments with people about Dalvin Cook's value. And let, let's not 
no, let's make no mistake about it. Dalvin Cook is obviously an RB1, and he's obviously an elite fantasy football player. My argument has been that I believe Dalvin plays. What's that? <laughs> when he plays. <laughs> when he plays. My, my, uh, my contention is that Dalvin Cook, for what people expect out of him, if he's going to be considered a top five running back, I don't think he's going to give you that the rest of the season. And this is – or, I mean, even if you want to look into dynasty formats going forward. And then here's some of my reasons why. Number one, I think the regression of Kirk Cousins and his inability to throw the football effectively is going to start forcing teams now to focus even more heavily on Dalvin Cook. And I'm surprised Green Bay didn't do it this week. But I look for more teams to come out and say, you know what, we're going to load up the box, stop Dalvin Cook, and we are going to force Kirk Cousins to make throws. And I think that's the way you beat Minnesota. I think when Minnesota's successful, it's when they're running the football. Um, number two is he obviously does have an injury concern and an injury history. And I'm looking for um, even for Minnesota to get Alexander Madison more involved as the season goes on, just because to keep Dalvin Cook fresh. I don't think Minnesota is going to be a part of the playoff picture, which could force them at the end of the season to give him even more rest and allow Alexander Madison to get more touches. So that's number two. They're two, they're two and five. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And then number three, the playoff matchups, which nobody wants to talk about yet because it's only week eight. But every redraft league I've had that I started this year with Dalvin Cook in, I have now traded. And part of the reason is he has a very nice schedule coming up. Detroit, then he has to go to Chicago. That's tough, obviously. But then he has Dallas, Carolina, and Jacksonville. And he's going to score a ton of fantasy points those weeks. But then you're going to get to the playoffs, and you're going to be expecting, just like last year, Dalvin Cook to carry you. And just like last year, one of two things is going to happen. He's either going to get hurt or not play, or he's not going to be as productive if you, as you need. His play, playoff matchups are Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay, the top-run defense in the league, Chicago. And if Chicago had any kind of offense, they would be an elite team. Their defense has played really well, which is a top-run defense in the league. And then New Orleans, who has stopped the run over the past five years, uh, basically like no other team. So those playoff matchups, um, I'm concerned about his productivity and not – in the sense that he won't get any fantasy numbers. But from what you're expecting from Dalvin Cook and what you need to carry a team that's probably riding the back of Dalvin Cook, I think he's going to fall short of that. So that's why I'm not as sold on Dalvin Cook rest of season as some people are um, going forward. And that's just, again, you can argue with me about it. You can say, people can say, it's not true. He's an elite fantasy option. We're not denying that he's an elite fantasy option, but there is reason to be concerned and there might be better options. And I'm a believer that if you can get him off right now and you can get another elite back in a piece, um, that's something that that I would probably do. You know, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Um, I also feel like I have concerns about Dalvin Cook, uh, his, his longevity of a season. He hasn't played a full season in some time. And just the fact of the matter, it's going to get cold pretty soon here. And you know what happens when it gets cold, people start hitting harder. And those gaps get a little smaller. Um, so another player that I mentioned that earlier in the week, and uh, Wayne Gallman, I think I mentioned last podcast, that, hey, man, you know, uh, in this past game, again, he showed that he's got the ability to uh, stretch the defense a little bit, catching the ball. He's made uh, some plays with his legs, and he doesn't look like the guy that we thought was dead in the water when uh, before Saquon Barkley got there. Um, Another guy that I've 
kind of been just really uh, – I'm not concerned about because they're producing at a high clip, but I thought that he'd get a little bit more volume, but I know how Patrick Mahomes spreads the ball out, and that's Tyreek Hill. Um, he hasn't touched 100 yards at one time this season. He's gotten pretty close, 98, 99, and he's scoring touchdowns almost every game. But I'm just like, if he doesn't score a touchdown, you know, is he worth the price on DFS? Is he – we a lot of people drafted him in the, you know, late first round, maybe early second round, and yeah, he's scoring touchdowns. But if those touchdowns don't go, I mean, what happens? So, um, any thoughts on any of the players I mentioned, or you got some players you've been uh, t- uh, thinking about? Yeah, the the Tyreek Hill thing. Um, I don't know. It's tough. I think there. I think a lot of it's been game script. They haven't had to throw as much. Um, I think they've mm-hmm. actually. I think they've actually tried to make a concerted effort to run the ball a little bit more, spread the ball around, keep guys healthy. Um, And like Mm -hmm. you said, he might be touchdown dependent. The only thing about that is he's still scoring touchdowns. And when when you got, when you got like a quarterback, like Patrick Mahomes, who's going to throw four or five touchdowns a game. uh, I mean, Tyree Hill literally has a touchdown in every single game, except for two. And it's, yeah, he's not seeing the same um, yard production, and maybe maybe that's a, something you could look at. But I mean, he's still one of the most consistent wide receivers in fantasy when it comes to scoring. He's only had um, like one real bad game, and that was against Buffalo, and that was in that game where they ran the ball a lot. It was cold and windy and rainy, and it, it was just one of those games where you know passing really wasn't going to be an option. So um, I'm still on the Tyreek Hill train. Um, I do like the. Uh, I do like the point about Josh, uh, the Josh Allen factor where he's Josh Allen has seemed to take a turn for the worst. I believe he hasn't thrown a touchdown in two games. Um, And, but his rushing will keep him relevant, I should say. Um, But as far as what you were expecting from him after four weeks, I don't think that um, you're probably going to get that going forward. I'm kind of down on Buffalo altogether, but um, I wanted, I want to talk about some replacements and some, sure. Mainly this past week, um, kind of still within week eight, we saw a lot of replacements, especially running backs that we talked about that had big days. Uh, the Jamal Williams, the Giovanni Bernards, the DJ Dallas in Seattle, um, which you could pretty much fire up any healthy running back in Seattle. Um, and how that compares to a guy like we talked about a couple of weeks ago where we thought he was going to be a top five running back for the rest of the season if Nick Chubb was out. And that's Kareem Hunt, who I feel like has been quite underwhelming as the quote unquote lead guy in Cleveland. So um, what, what are your thoughts on these replacement running backs? Is this something that you think continues? Are we going to continue to see running back injuries um, and maybe, you know, advise those fantasy players out there to continue to pick up these handcuffs just in case? Um, or are you looking now that as Dalvin Cook gets healthy, as Aaron Jones is getting ready to get healthy, as Christian McCaffrey is now coming back, um, Nick Chubb might be back after week nine. Are you saying it's time to just go back with your guys that you drafted um, don't worry about the handcuffs because if you lose these guys now, you're probably not going to make it anyways. No, actually, uh, we and we what one of our first episodes we talked about handcuffs are going to be key all season, um, and I'm actually going to double down on that point because these guys are coming back from injury and they may be coming back a little bit early. I'm concerned about you know my guys like Christian McCaffrey who are coming back this week. I'm concerned about the Nick Chubbs. I'm concerned about you know, the Miles Sanders who, um, not to say they won't come in and produce, but, you know, at the same time, like, we still have, you know, quite a bit of football left in the season. 
And rushing some of these top players back isn't always a great idea. And, you know, we've seen so many backs go down. We've seen so many players go down. You know, we're, we're not even talking about running backs only. We're talking about, you know, uh, Quintez Cephas is going to be relevant again because Galladay's down. You know, may, they might sign Sanu. Uh, we're talking about how, you know, DJ Dallas and just look, came in and looked like an RB1. Um, so giving these guys an extra little bit of a time, you know, the hasties, you know, allowing these big names to heal right is going to be key because, you know, a team like the Packers has aspirations for the playoffs. A team like, you know, some of these bigger teams, you know, uh, the thing about Kareem Hunt is, you know, they realize that, hey, these Cleveland Browns, they're putting up, you know, 150 yards on the ground a game, and they're not really throwing the ball. So we need to put eight, eight, nine in the box, you know, when they see Kareem Hunt back there. They're finally limiting his opportunities. And now they're like, okay, Baker, throw the ball. Let's see what you can do. You know, and crickets are happening. You know, they're putting up 30-plus 30, 30 points a game when they had two running backs that were RB1s, and now they have one, and they're focusing on him at all times. So I, I don't think it's necessarily all Kareem Hunt's fault, um, but I do think that, you know, the teams, you know, it's a copycat league, and they've seen that a couple defenses have started to work against them, and they're now they're making Baker become more of a passer. And now that he has no Odell, his his weapons are limited now. Um, his his tight end uh, Austin Hooper is not there, so they're down a lot of weapons. So I think they're allowing to key on the running back situation, and it's just really one of those things where I expect to see the same thing. But I, I'm I'm not only concerned about you know Cream Hunt, I'm concerned about Jonu Smith, I'm concerned about Jarvis Landry, I'm concerned about Jonathan Taylor, who's looked underwhelming, you know. I'm concerned about, you know, um, you know, and, and there's better situations out there. There's the Chase Edmonds who can come in and be an RB1 for, uh, you know, the uh, the Arizona Cardinals and allow Kenyon Drake to heal a little bit more. So there's situations to be positive, but I think you definitely have to make sure you're picking up these handcuffs, whatever position it is. Yeah, the injuries just keep piling up and, and some big, big injuries again this past weekend. You mentioned the the Kenny Galladay injury, which we will get to in a little bit. Um, uh, one team I wanted to focus on, which has kind of been a, a focal point of the year with the injuries, is the San Francisco 49ers, obviously. Um, <laughs> losing Jimmy Garoppolo, which, you know, if you're starting Jimmy Garoppolo in fantasy, you're probably already struggling at the quarterback position anyways. But needless to say, uh, maybe in some deeper leagues or some some two-quarterback leagues. And then we saw – an irrelevant 25-yard pass to George Kittle. He makes a nice catch, and he comes down on his ankle. And now he has a small fracture in his ankle, and he's going to be out probably for the rest of the season. Either way, he's out for the rest of the fantasy season. And once again, the already thin tight end position got even thinner. So, um, first of all, what are your thoughts about the tight end position? And are we getting to the point now where – you can't even outside of Travis Kelsey. I mean, when you look at consistency, because George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in football. But mm -hmm. when we talk about being on the field and healthy and relevant and consistently producing, is there really any tight end in the league that you can point to outside of Travis Kelsey and say, that's a guy that I can plug into my lineup every week and not have any worries. And we, we thought that was Mark Andrews this year. And we've seen that, you know, blow up in our face. <laughs> 
we thought it was George Kittle. And again, the mm-hmm. way he plays, injuries. He, just, he stays injured and he keeps even nagging injuries, just, you know, things that, that are nagging throughout the season. Is there a guy or is there somebody else that I'm missing? Or are we just like, you know what, let's throw our hands up and throw a dart at a board and maybe we'll get lucky. Well, there's one player that I'm targeting, and we mentioned it a little bit earlier. Because of the Kenny Galladay injury, I think there's going to be a few more targets to go around. And he hasn't necessarily had a huge blow-up game this year, but he's had some high-floor games. And I'm talking about Hawkinson. And he's – I mean, we've talked about this guy before, Aaron, when he came out of college, and you were high on him before. I believe I picked him in one of our dynasty leagues. And he's, he's a guy that has shown a rapport with, you know, um, a Matt Stafford. And I expect it to grow now that Kenny Galladay is out for an extended period of time. And, you know, he was just showing flashes, you know, that he can consistently catch the ball in tight spots. He's been catching some touchdowns. And I think now is his time to really show that he can be a, a contributor to a, a winning football team. So that's one guy that I, I'm – targeting if I'm somebody who is looking to fill my tight end position he hasn't yet broken all the way out but his trajectory is on the way up um so in terms of the actual position as a as a whole man I, I me and you both we thought that this is probably was one of the deeper tight end years in in the last couple of years but it's going to look like it's one of those years again where tight end position is thin as hell uh, one guy who is surprising me lately, who's had a touchdown now in three straight games, is Rob Gronkowski. Good old faithful, huh? Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Tom yeah, Brady and Tom uh, Brady and Gronk and are back together again. Back together, and now they what passed Jerry Rice, um, and, and the Forty ers uh, era as the most connections for TDs. That was pretty cool, right? So. I expect that to continue to be there, especially now that A.B. and Chris Godwin are going to open up the middle of the field. I think that touchdown connection will still be there. So Gronk and Hawkinson are two players that I like. Um, I know that we've shown flashes from Tanyan and Fant. So hopefully those two continue to, um, you know, trend upwards. But in terms of that position, man, uh, I'm not going to invite too many of my assets into it unless I'm getting something like a Travis Kels or one of those players mentioned. Yeah. Um, I like the Noah Fant point. Um, Noah Fant is somebody that I'm really, really high on. And I think he kind of has similar issues that we see with a guy like George Kittle is he's always limping off the field or, you know, running really, you know, he runs really hard routes. He likes contact. He looks for contact. And I mean, when he plays and he's on the field, he's very productive. He sees a ton of targets and him and Drew Locke seem to have a nice connection, but it's just a matter of having that faith whether he's going to stay on the field or not. So we will see um, how that plays out. But like you said, I'm, I'm just at the point now where I'm looking for good matchups with tight ends, streaming as much as possible. And unless your name is Travis Kelsey, I'm never going to say it's just I, I plug you in and I don't even pay attention. Um, we, we have to mention this guy this week. Um, after the conversation that we had last week, uh, which, which was, was a great conversation, and then we saw a team do something completely opposite of what you had mentioned, and then they were exposed. Um, DK Metcalf. Uh, two points here. Two points about DK Metcalf. Number one, you mentioned how Arizona was locking up DK Metcalf and kind of letting Tyler Lockett uh, go to work. He had 20 targets. He ended up at 15 catches, 200 yards, 
and went off. And then the following week, I don't know if they were covering Tyler Lockett or worried about Tyler Lockett, but all I saw all game in that Niners-Seahawks game was DK Metcalf single covered, and he absolutely <laughs> went to work on that secondary. And, and I mean work. Like, he was abusing him, and he probably could have did more um, than he did, but the game kind of got out of hand, and they, they stopped throwing the ball for a minute. Is DK, is DK Metcalf right now? I'm asking you this. I, I still have him outside my top five receivers in the league. But in your opinion, is DK Metcalf right now close, if not already in the top five wide receivers in football? And I know, Man, this, is not, you know this is not a fan, necessarily a fantasy yeah. football question, but mm -hmm. I just want to know how good this dude is. In all honesty, um, just if we're talking about, you know, for the next couple of years in Dynasty, he, he's top five. But if we're talking about redraft, no, I don't see him top five. Um, but it's he's knocking on that door. He's pounding on that door. Like you, you can't you can't deny the young man. It's like wow, like this guy is, and, and it comes down to you know a situation where he's got all the intangibles. He's got all the physical. He's a specimen. He's a freak amongst freaks in a league of built of freaks. Like I think you know that's one of the things where it's like a LeBron James called him what baby Bron, something like that. <laughs> um, the guy is just an absolute monster. He he looks like, you know, he's playing in a, uh, the NFL and these other guys are in a peewee league. So um, if he can get the cerebral part of the game down as much as uh, Russell Wilson says that he's been trying to work at and he that connection continues to build the way that we're seeing it on field every other game. Um, because we, we spoke about, is he a, a high volume guy we didn't really think he was right but the last game showed that he can handle a high volume and still be super productive so um man in terms of top five you know i got the d hop Devonte adams um you know players that like a tyreek hill uh, michael julio. thomas julio so i got five guys ahead of him right now but Man, uh, in Dynasty, he's top five. If we're talking about, you know, a, a guy who next year is going to be fighting with the, the Julios and, and these other guys to, to be one of the top five picks, you know, um, he, he's trending in that direction. I'm going to say that. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a big DK guy. I think DK is – I think in in a couple of years – I think he's going to be arguably the best wide receiver in football. And he's fortunate enough to play with probably the best player in football right now. And that's yeah. uh, Russell yeah. Wilson, which definitely yeah. helps you. It, yeah, that's, that's the, I think that was the gist of our conversation is that, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, as good as he is, um, you know, he, he's made all these players so much better. The Tyler Lockett's, the DK Metcalf. A lot of people were down on DK Metcalf. And they're saying he can't run all the routes. He he sucks at the three cone drill. Man, but, um, <laughs> you know, they, all those all those experts, bro. I'm telling you, in my in my my podcast a few weeks ago, <laughs> I ranted about that. I got on every all of those scouts that look at you know all those numbers and oh he can't run a dig route because he gets out of his break in 1.3 seconds instead of 1.2, like all that stuff. I said, man, just turn on the tape. This dude can play football. And if you if you watch that route that he ran against the Niners across the field 
then ran backwards like three yards and still hit up the sideline and scored a touchdown. You can't teach that. I don't care. You can run precise routes. If you can do that, you can play foot. You can play on my team. That's all I'm going to say. He's got the confidence to where every single time he touches the ball, he, he's trying to make a play. Yep. And that's what I, that's what you like to see. You know, um, Russell Wilson and, and Pete Carroll are doing a great job of just nurturing this talent. And I, he's in the best situation. You know, Pete Carroll loves those big wide receivers. You remember the Mike Williamses, you know, the guys yep. that they just feature. So I'm just, I'm just excited to see what's next. I'm, I'm just a fan watching at this point. I'm in awe at the plays that he makes. And I, I see him, again, making that trajectory, tapping on the top five. But as of now in redraft, I'm not going to say he's top five, just because right. of consistency. Yeah, he's, a, he's definitely but, in the perfect spot um, for him. And who knows, if he'd have got drafted somewhere else, maybe it doesn't work out this way. Maybe he does go somewhere, get lost in the shuffle and, you know, washes out like we've seen so many other talented receivers. But he's definitely in the perfect situation. And I am like you. I'm a fan. I am watching. And I'm excited to see what he does next. Speaking of young guys making their debuts, Mims, Mims, Mims. I know you've yeah, been man. a fan of him. He just needs to be on another team. I, I'm, looking, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching the game and I'm like, why is Braxton Berrios getting, getting 11 targets? targets. <laughs> like, I watched the ball get thrown to Mims like three or four times and he's out there making plays. He looks big, strong, physical, fast. Um, and then you're going to throw the ball to, to Braxton Berrios 11 times? I don't know, man. I I like him, but the, I keep thinking, like, as long as he's on the Jets and they have Adam Gase, he's going to be what he is. He's not going to ever develop into anything. Who have the Jets is developed? He, is he going to get Devontae Parker is, like, my main question going through yes. my head. Is he going to get screwed like Devontae Parker? Yes, that's what I – that's that's kind of what I equated to. He's going to be spend the first four years of his career on the, on the sorry-ass Jets and until he gets a coach in there or somebody in there that says, oh, look what we have, and now we can use him. Um, and, and I worry about that. So I don't know. The, the jury's still out. You know, obviously Sam Darnold's hurt again. Who knows? Maybe, maybe old Joe Flacco, who actually gave him seven targets in the game he played, uh, will come in and say, I know what I have over there. At least he's a veteran and start throwing him the ball. So um, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, Denzel Mims is still – I still think he's uber-talented. And he just needs to be in a in a situation that they can exploit that talent. So I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him. But you know, Adam Gase. That's all I can say. Um, okay, so let's move on to these waiver wire ads for Week Nine. Uh, I think it's another big waiver week, and I wanted to talk about a few players that we kind of already mentioned, touched on, uh, but I got some little quick points here that I wanted to. We we spoke about the Colts, and there's a couple of points about the Colts and Jonathan Taylor who has been underwhelming, to say the least. Um, there, is, there is word that he's dealing with an injury. And if you watch that game, um, I went back and I watched most of the game today, and I saw that the first half they were kind of – it was kind of running back by committee. Uh, and then in the second half, Jordan, like, Jordan Wilkins started actually taking the bulk of the carries. And, and I don't even know if, if Jonathan Taylor touched the ball in the second half. But I think part of it had to do with an injury. The second part was Jordan Wilkins was running really well. He was averaging like six yards a carry for a while, um, and he looked good. So I think they just went with the hot hand. I'm intrigued by this situation because I think if Jonathan Taylor is hurt or battling injury, I think Jordan Wilkins has to be a top pickup on the waiver wire, mainly because the Colts are so run heavy. 
They have a really good offensive line, and he's going to – you know, he had 20, 20 carries in this game, and he scored a touchdown, 89 yards. He was productive. So that's a guy I'm looking at as one of my top waiver wire pickups this week if Jonathan Taylor is said to be hurt. I, I don't think if Jonathan Taylor is still going to be considered the guy, um, obviously Jordan Wilkins is not going to be useful, but it's something to keep our eye on. And then the Colts wide receivers, we saw Michael Pittman come back, but – I and maybe maybe you can shed some light on this. Is there a Colts wide receiver that you want to own in fantasy? And if you own one, are you starting one? Because we saw Philip Rivers who completed, I want to say, twenty six passes or something like that. He had a good day. Philip Rivers played well. No, no Indianapolis Colt receiver had more than three catches. He had eleven different guys had a catch. Eleven, three different tight ends, uh, like five different receivers, and then three running backs. I, I don't think there's a Colts pass catcher that I would be starting going forward for here, from here to the rest of the season, just because of the way their offense is, is kind of constructed um, and he's spreading the ball around. So t- talk a little bit about that. And then um, again, the Jordan Wilkins situation, if you have anything for there. Sure. I mean, uh, I'm going to touch lightly on the uh, Colts wide receivers, the three wide receivers that I'm even mentioning, because obviously uh, T.Y. Hilton is injured again. Uh, the three off the top of my head that I like would be Zach Pascal, Marcus Johnson, and Michael Pittman. Um, you know, the, the offense seems to change, and, you know, I don't think it'll be as pass-heavy as, as most teams. But uh, Pittman is back from the IR. He could easily be the number one wide receiver. We'll see what happens. Um, but the but other are guys you comfor- – Are you comfortable putting those guys in a lineup? Like a week nine no, now, no, you're probably no. pushing for a playoff spot. I'm not comfortable putting any of those no, guys No, I'm in. not comfortable. I'm not comfortable at all with any of those wide receivers. Um, so, yeah, miss me with all the Colts wide receivers. Um, I, I just want to say hip, hip, hooray for Mecole Hardman, who had seven catches for 96 yards and a TD. Um, but I guess that goes along with being a uh, Chiefs wide receiver because they all did well. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, eight catches, 81 yards. Uh, Corey Davis, eight catches, 128 yards and a TD. Brandon Ayuk, eight catches, 91 yards, and a TD. These are all the players that I would target in your leagues. Um, A.B., if he's still on the white waiver wire. In terms of the running backs that I am targeting, um, Gus Edwards, who had 16 carries, 87 yards, and a TD. He looked good out there alongside Dobbins, who looked even better. Um, Damian Harris, who had 16 carries, 102 yards, and a TD. I think Harris uh, solidified himself as um, the person who should get the majority of the carries between the um, 20s, at least. Uh, Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. It looks like these two guys definitely outplayed uh, Jonathan Taylor, um, especially in the second half. Uh, Wilkins had 20 carries, 89 yards, and a TD. He had one target for 24 yards. So he went over the century mark in terms of overall yardage. Um, we saw that Naheem Hines had two TDs. Um, he had three catches, 54 yards. I don't see that TD, you know, TDs happening all the time. The yeah, don't, d- buy, don't the buy the hype. TDs. But we the Wilkins thing. Yeah. And the other thing, too, Zach Moss, um, it may be um, showing what he can do a little bit more. 14 carries, 81 yards. He ran fluid. Um, and if we're looking for a possible quarterback, if you need someone in a deep league, 
I got to say Nick Mullins, who was 18 for 25, 238 yards and two TDs in the second half. So, um, you know, again, I don't feel comfortable starting a lot of these players that I just mentioned, but if you're in deep leagues and you need to pick up some guys, maybe you don't have any free agent budget anymore and you're looking for to see what they can do with speculative ads, um, those guys are the, the ones that I'm targeting right now. Any thoughts? Yes. Yeah, we talk about um, – you, you say speculative, speculative ads, and I like that because in most of my leagues, honestly, right now, if I had a fab budget, it's gone. Um, I tend to, <laughs> yes. I yes. tend to feel like I spend early um, when guys go out, especially you hear season-long injuries. I usually spend early on my waiver wire money. Um, I try to get guys that I want and I feel that can have rest of the season value. Um, I normally don't wait till week eight or week nine to spend like some people do. They feel like they can get a league winner then. Um, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I think a lot of the league winners actually come earlier in the season. But when you talk about speculative ads, these are guys like I don't put waiver claims in for a lot of these guys. I'm not even and maybe I have a high waiver priority if you're just doing it that way. I don't use a lot of waiver wire priority for these guys. Um, what I let happen is the clock to roll over, waivers to be claimed, and then I scour and I look for good matchups. I look for possible breakout games. If you're looking for somebody right now to, to win your league um, that's on the waiver wire, I mean, good luck to you. It's, it's rare you're going to find it. But mm-hmm. so I think it's more of a week-to-week play. I start to look at match, playoff matchups. And, it, again, it depends on where you're at in your league. If you're a team – um, that's, you know, six and two, seven and one, and you're going to be in the playoffs. Your concern now should be starting to, to set your, set your lineup up for the playoffs. You're probably going to make it. Um, you still want to win your weeks, but you have to be careful on guys you cut, cut too early. Um, so, so when you're dropping a player and you're picking up somebody on the waiver wire, make sure you're dropping a player that's not going to be useful. Um, just because they had a bad couple of weeks or a bad week doesn't mean they're not going to be useful you know, four weeks from now in the playoffs. A lot of people cut ties too early um, or don't cut ties at all. So uh, that's, that's my biggest thing with the waiver wire ads. And I'm like you, most of the players this week on the waiver wire, um, I'm not really feeling like they're going to be a huge help to most rosters, especially as bye weeks start to wind down and you don't need those fill-ins anymore. Um, but there are two players I do want to mention. Uh, Jalen Rager came back for Philly. And, you know, that, that wide receiving core outside of Travis, Travis Fulgham has been a mess. And they, they looked like they wanted to make sure he got involved. He scored a touchdown. He had a pretty nice day there. And it was against Dallas. Um, it wasn't, you know, a superstar day, but Carson Wentz didn't play well. And I think there's going to be better days for him going forward. So I like Jalen Rager going forward. Um, most people probably have him somewhere on their roster as they were excited for him at the beginning of the year. But if he's out there, maybe somebody you want to add. And then with the – with the disappearance of now Kenny Galladay and, and we don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, I, I don't know why I'm saying this cause I've, I've been burned in the past, but I like Marvin Jones here and Marvin Jones is 49% rostered in like Yahoo leagues. So he's about 50% rostered. I think there's going to be some value for him going forward, mainly because Detroit trails in a lot of games. Um, so I think he's going to, I see, think he's going to see a lot of targets um, as well as TJ Hawkinson. Um, which you brought up earlier. I think TJ Hawkinson gets a big boost with Kenny Galladay uh, being hurt. I, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure about Quintez Cephas, to be honest. They, you know, he played the first two weeks and had pretty nice days when Galladay was out. And then they, they made him inactive for like five straight weeks. And that was weird to me. Um, Marvin Hall was seeing the slot time, but Danny Amendola's there. And then this past game, we saw Marvin Hall get like nine targets. So 
I'm not sure about the Detroit pass catchers outside of Marvin Jones and uh, TJ Hawkinson. But yeah, those, all those guys you mentioned, I think can be looked at the Kendrick Bournes as long as Debo Samuel is out. Um, and then Zach Moss shouldn't be on your waiver wire. First of all, if Zach Moss is on your waiver wire, you haven't been doing your due diligence in football uh, because there is obviously a timeshare there in Buffalo and Devin Singletary has not been very good this year. Although he did have his best day when you watch them play, Zach Moss is the guy they give it to on short yardage in the goal line or goal to go area. Um, so he's going to score the touchdowns and he's going to get just as many touches throughout the game. So Zach Moss is actually the back. I like there to own over Devin Singletary going forward. Just um, that's just where I stand on that. So, um, so again, go out there, put your waiver claims in if you need them, if you're fighting for playoff spots or you, you know, you need to make some sort of drastic move. Um, then go pick up all those hot guys and hopefully they stay hot for you. All right. It's time. I've done it three weeks in a row. Battled back. <laughs> Battled back. Mukes is back. Optimal lineup recap from week eight. I did it again. I told you I was coming for you. I did it three weeks straight. Uh, led by DK Metcalf for 40 points. Um, he kind of led my team. But let's be honest. Your week, your week was terrible. Mm. The whole team shit the bed. Uh, Jared Goff, we saw his worst performance. <laughs> Awful. Of his Awful. Career. We didn't Goodness. even touch on that. But, um, yeah, he saw his worst performance probably of his career. Um, we both had Melvin Gordon. He didn't do much. You went with Zeke again, and Zeke let you down. Again. You went with Kenny Galladay, obviously. He got hurt. Terrible. Four targets, no catches. Uh, Tyreek Hill was your best play, but I also had Tyreek Hill. A.J. Brown got you a touchdown, but other than that, pretty much underwhelming. And then George Kittle, we saw he didn't do much. And then in the third or late in the fourth quarter, he got hurt. Um, yeah, you didn't even score 100, man. Uh, it was <laughs> <laughs> You scored 80 points. It was uh, – Gee, thanks. It was bad. Um I, I had another player out, Chris Godwin, I, I picked, and I didn't even realize he had fractured a thumb last <laughs> month, you know. So, obviously, he didn't play, but I still put up 131 um, yeah. and, and had a good week. So, as we head into week nine, it is now uh -huh. five to three. You're up 10 bucks on me. I made that comeback. And we're going to look to go four straight here for me. So, um, I'm going to let you go first since I went first last week. Unless you want me to go first. It's up to you. Go for it. Go first. All right. All right, I'll go first and give you some time to look up you, what you need to look up. Mm -hmm. uh, my, week, my week nine optimal lineup. Coming off a of bye week at quarterback, I am going to go Deshaun Watson. Um, I think it's a good spot here. I, I like that he's coming off the bye week. Um, Houston has obviously been lackluster and struggled this year, but he has a good matchup against the Jaguars. Uh, I think, they, I think they, they're ready for this game. And obviously I haven't heard much about the trade of Will Fuller or Randall Cobb or Brandon Cooks. So barring anything that happens tomorrow, I'm assuming they're all going to be there. Maybe not. Um, but either way, I think Deshaun Watson has a good day here. Jacksonville is going to be without Gardner Minshew. It's probably going to be Lutton as quarterback or whatever his name is, Luton. And they're probably not going to be able to stay on the field very long. So Houston should have a lot of opportunities. Um, with that being said, I'm going to go the reverse and I'm actually going to take James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars against Houston. Uh, again, Houston has one of the worst run defenses in football. I think Jacksonville will rely heavily on the run game because they're starting a rookie or a backup quarterback. 
And I think he coming off a of bye week healthy, strong. They don't have anybody to, to take carries away from him. I'm going to go James Robinson there. I'm going Josh Jacobs for the Raiders. Um, I really like the matchup against the Chargers here. Uh, Josh Jacobs is obviously the workhorse there. He has been underwhelming this year, but I just like what he brings to the table. Hopefully he falls into the end zone. And then my receivers, I'm going to keep my Seattle theme going. I'm going back to Tyler Lockett. So <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think they play Buffalo. I think Tredavious White will travel and cover DK Metcalf. I don't think he'll shut him out by any means, but he's a very good corner. I think Lockett sees the reaps the benefits of that. So I'm going Tyler Lockett this week. I'll just alternate them every week, I guess. Um, I'm also going big and going Devontae Adams against the 49ers. After I watched DK do that to the 49ers, I said, well, I cannot, I can't not pick Devontae this week. Um, on a short week, I just, um, I know they're traveling, but I just think that the Niners are all banged up and Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football right now between him and D-Hop. So um, I'm going to go Adams there. And then I am going to take Juju Smith-Schuster, who has now put together two back-to-back pretty decent weeks. They get Dallas this week. Dallas is just Dallas. They're bad. Um, although we saw Tredavious or um, Trayvon Diggs have a good, a good game against Philly. Travis Fulgham still put up good fantasy numbers against them. I think with Deontay Johnson's battling injuries, I think Juju has a good day against Dallas. And then tight end, we spoke about him earlier. I picked TJ Hawkinson. Um, I like the matchup there uh, against Minnesota. I don't think there's many pass catchers on Detroit. I think he's going to see a ton of targets. Um, I'm going to go TJ Hawkinson. And then defense, I picked my running theme. I went Monday night against New, against the Jets. I took New England's defense. Doesn't matter. They're playing the Jets. I don't care if it was the Bengals. I'm taking whoever plays the Jets. All right. What all you right, got? All right. Well, shoot. Um, I guess I'm going to have to go with uh, Cam Newton as my quarter quarterback. Cammy Cam. I'm going to go with Stephon Diggs as a wide receiver. Diggs, good choice playing Seattle. I'm going Hawkinson as my tight end. Yep. Yes, I'm going Hawk. I'm going... I'll take Will Fuller as my wide receiver as well. Will Fuller. And I'll take – I'm going to go with – I think Tyreek gets that that hundred yard game this week. Tyreek Hill. And then I owe you a, a running back and two, two running backs on the defense. I'm going James Connor. And I'm going I almost went Connor. I'll go Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Pittsburgh's defense against Dallas. And I owe you one running back, right? Yes, sir. 
I'll go with the man, Derek Henry. Derek Henry. All right, we got Derek Henry's playing against the Bears this week. That's a tough matchup, but you know they run him into the ground, so he's going to see 25 touches, and he's a monster. All right, we got Deshaun Watson, James Robinson, Josh Jacobs, Tyler Lockett, Devontae Adams, Juju Smith. Actually, you know what? You know what? Give me uh, Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds Chase is Edmonds. my second running back. Chase Edmonds. I'm going to take Chase the Edmonds. the Dolphins. All right. Yeah. Um, TJ Hawkinson and New England defense versus Cam Newton, Stephon Diggs, Will Fuller, Tyreek Hill, James Conner, Chase Edmonds, TJ Hawkinson, and Pittsburgh's defense. Another win for Mukes coming up. We going for four in a we row. Sh- we shall see, Aaron. I got to give you time to uh, catch – back up so you know i gotta make it interesting you know (laughs) i mean i mean let's figure i spotted you five that way i figured by week week 16 you wouldn't owe me that much you know what i'm saying (laughs) see we're gonna see it's all good brother we got week nine coming up um again thank you everybody for listening we're gonna continue to bring you this fantasy talk um Man, get ready for these playoffs. We're only a couple weeks away from the playoffs, man. We got about a month left yeah. before playoffs. playoffs. Never well, too early to prep. Exactly. Check those matchups. I'm telling you, they matter. What we're going to do probably about week 11, week 11 or week 12, um, I'm going to give everybody kind of a rundown of all the leagues I'm in, how many playoffs I should be making, how many I'm not. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll hear from David and, and see how he's doing in his league as well. Um, that way you guys can get a better idea of how, how much fantasy advice you should be taking from us. In 16 leagues, um, I'm hoping to make the playoffs in at least 11 or 12. So uh, I got some work to do in a couple, but I'm right there in most of them. So uh, we'll keep bringing that, keep bringing that good stuff for you guys, and um, we'll see you guys in week 10. So again, follow David at SAC Experts on Twitter. Follow the Sideline to Sideline podcast. It's Sideline to Sideline underscore podcast on IG at S2 Podcast on Twitter. Again, we're available on all platforms. And if you want to interact, uh, hit us up, ask us questions, and we will talk about them. Um, They'll either be incorporated into the topics or we will answer the questions live. All right, David, what you got for us? Send us away. All right, everybody, you know, continue following along the journey. You guys want to hear more about trades. I've just been doing a lot more. I think I got a lot more to do this week. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before you go any further, I forgot. I forgot what I was going to ask you. Okay, let's go. Hold on. I got a trade offer from David in a keeper league <laughs> and uh <laughs> it's 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 one that's not a, it's a good offer it's uh uh-huh it's a good offer it's darren waller jalen rager and nick chubb for mark andrews yes. and miles sanders that's and a good ass deal it, yeah but we got to put this in the context how much did you spend for nick chubb this year david a dollar or five bucks this year i believe I it was five Five bucks, right? So Nick Chubb yeah. would be kept, Nick Chubb would be kept by me the following year for of six dollars. Yeah. Um, Miles Sanders was was four dollars. I kept him for four dollars this year. Um, so again, you would keep him for for four dollars, or I'm sorry, for nine. I guess it would be five dollars more. So for nine, um, I, I like the deal, but the reason I haven't hit accept, or I'm not sure if I'm going to accept. Well, number one, I can't accept it right now until tomorrow. But um, anyway, yeah. I'm reluctant, and I'll tell you why. 
My team is hot. Rager's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> no, my team is hot. But I'm li- so looking at my squad when I when I break it down, I'm strong in the positions. I mean, I, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm gaining really much anywhere except for if Rager really does produce. Because I'm strong at running back already, and I'm strong at tight end already. Receiver is my weak point, and I'd have to be counting a lot on Jalen Rager. And I'm not sure if Nick Chubb's going to come back healthy this year. So those are the questions that are running through my mind right now before I decide whether I'm accepting this deal or not. Well, you know, Aaron, uh, I think we're in the in a situation where I had I picked up Boston Scott. I was like, okay, it makes sense for me to get Miles Sanders. Um, and it was just kind of one of those things where we both it's we're both have a top running back in there. And then I made the trade for Mark Andrews. So, you know me, I'm doubling down on my Mark Andrews theme. Yeah. yeah um, so uh, one of the, it's, it's one of those deals to where I, I think that I have an excess. I also have Justin Jefferson. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I have, I have a lot of players. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, of send, course. Hey, send Justin Jefferson of instead of good. <laughs> of course it would be good. I bet it would be good, man. I'm pissed <laughs> off that I dropped Justin Jefferson in, in the freaking Lamgadi League like an idiot. Man. Um, the week before he went off. But it's but, hard. It, it yeah, no, uh, hard, right? It is. It is hard. I, I didn't think he would have a blow up week this early. Just like I'm assuming Jalen Rieger is going to have a blow up week pretty soon here. Um, just the fact of the matter, they're going to feature him. He was a first rounder. Um, as soon as he kind of gets that rapport with Carson Wentz, just like Carson Wentz has shown rapport with uh, Ward. He's targeted him 10, ga- 10 times in a game. He's targeted Fulgham uh, multiple times in a game. And Rieger is next. Um, Godert's back. They're, they're going to put some targets into these players, and it's just a matter of when they have these blow-up games. You've seen it what early on in the season when Rieger had that 50-yard bomb. Um, you've seen it, just flashes of it, and there's going to be a game where he puts it all together, and then Carson Wentz is like, okay, that's my guy. So, to me, a keeper league, their value is, is definitely a lot different than, you know, just a redraft league. Um, if I was you in a redraft league, I probably wouldn't. I might not take that deal, but considering the fact that Chubb and Sanders probably will come around the same time. And I just really like that. I have Boston Scott and then the Mark Andrews situation too. I have Lamar Jackson. I want that connection. So that's kind of like my thought process. Yeah, no, it's definitely a good offer. I was, I was, trust me, I've been contemplating it all week. Um, And, you know, I'll make my decision tomorrow one way or the other. So it, it, it'll be good. It, it's a good debate to have. It'll be something that yeah, I wish well, and listen and listeners, you guys will be you guys will know the answer by next week. Yep. <laughs> I'm on a three I'm on a three game winning streak and I didn't want to mess up my mojo, but I, I am hurting at receiver and, and Rager might help me there um if he can stay healthy, especially with uh with Philly. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean I don't know. I, I'm like it's I said a, I, it's a, it's a matter of when. So Ayuk's had a breakout game. Um, Justin Jefferson's had a breakout game. Who are these other rookie wide receivers who had a breakout game? And a lot of teams thought that, you know, Jalen Rager was going to be that one who's going to have the breakout game first. So, again, yeah. it, to me, it's a matter of when it happens, not if. So Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's, that's good stuff there. Um, 
All right, man, send us off. That's all I want to talk about. I will make my decision tomorrow. We'll make it happen. All right, listeners, you heard it. Another deal uh, possibly going down. But, yeah, no, everyone check out uh, my man Aaron Mukes again. He's working so hard behind the scenes. I know he's got a few more projects he wants to launch this season, and I, I would love to be a part of some of those. And, man, um, check me out at SAC Experts. Um, send in questions, trades, reviews. I'm doing – I do start sits. I uh, check out fantasy football advice, hashtags, and I respond to you as soon as possible. I know Aaron's doing live uh, responses. I know Aaron's dropping that another podcast midweek. So make sure you guys are following along the journey because it's nothing but good gems. We've talked about the players like the DJ Dallas's before they happened. We talked about the Mike Davises. We talked about the James Robinson. So um, who's next? Who's going to be that guy who comes in and shows out? Yes, All right, everybody. Sir. Yes, sir. It, it's been fun. And uh, until next week, huh? We out.